0: From OFS, I'm Doug Shapiro. This is the Imagine a Place podcast, where we explore the power of place and the role of design in our lives. All right, I'm excited to share this one with you. It's from right here in my hometown of St. Louis. Samantha Lee mugala is doing some really important work. She's the founder of Pocket Parks, a non-for-profit that's reimagining vacant lots scattered across St. Louis neighborhoods. Well, I suppose they're doing more than just reimagining, they're rolling up their sleeves and putting in the work. I had the chance to walk one of these pocket parks after our interview. It was a simple and beautiful transformation of a once overgrown field into a joyful array of sunflowers. Her story of Pocket Parks is unique, it's entertaining, but in this interview, it's her story of the challenges she faces as an entrepreneur earning the trust of others. That's the story that I believe makes this episode so valuable. It's full of lessons, insights. I know these will help you grow. And to kick off this conversation, I want to take you back to the critical moment when Samantha's idea became a reality.
1: I am a runner, so I was running, and I'm running downtown, and it's just gray, empty, dreary, and I was on the corner of 10th and Locust, uh, went down Washington Avenue, which are, it's in the middle of the city. These are dense spaces. These are spaces with restaurants and, you know, salons and retail, and nobody was open. Nothing was happening, and... I mean, it literally was a cloudy day. So you're imagining this just, like, gray, overcast, concrete everywhere and lifeless, you know? And so I looked at this space, and it's a vacant lot. It's probably around 3,000 square feet. It's not super large, but it's enough to make someone say, ooh, I don't want to go down that street. Mm. Or that's an ugly vacant lot. I, I want to stay away from that. I'm not even going to let my dog on this lot, you know. Um, and I just thought, there's so much opportunity here. You know, most people would be like, "Ooh, I'm just going to stay away. I, I see that and I'm like, what could I do to make that better? I always find myself sketching. I'll take a photo on my iPhone and then I'll just start sketching ideas over it. And I realized that I had been doing this for years <laughs> and I never did anything with them. So I finally decided, okay, well, I'm going to put some concepts together around activating the streets. No one was quite ready to take on temporary activation just yet for, for street festivals or parties or anything, just being pandemic and the state that we were in. but. St. Louis also has a large vacancy problem, so I thought, okay, well, let's tackle two birds with one stone, create community space, solve that vacancy problem, and started posting some of these sketches online and talking about the concept.
0: What was your first sketch?
1: Okay, first sketch was 10th and Locust, and it's a long, linear lot, next to a loft building so there's a large wall and there's about 20 feet of space before you get to any windows so I'm thinking perfect racquetball (laughs) (laughs) and so I actually sketched out a racquetball court and it's you know an amateur sketch like I love sketching but this was a fast let's get an idea down sort of like you see those architectural sketches in black and white that just look like scribbles like it's that kind of sketch but I posted it, and almost immediately it got picked up by News Channel 5. <laughs> and so I was not ready for this. I, I talked to – his name's Renny Knott. He's one of the uh, reporters there. And I said, I, you know, I'll talk to you, but can we wait to, to air anything? And he's like, oh, well, maybe. But, <laughs> but what I found is that when you do start talking about a project – more people will come to that project and start supporting that project and and soon you'll you'll have all this support and you'll be able to further what you're trying to do and so I trusted him we aired the story and I kid you not ever since then it's been like dominoes falling and you know for perspective we incorporated in January and it is September and we have 4 parks which is insane. (laughs)
0: Dang. Do you have a goal, or is it just unfolding naturally?
1: Unfolding naturally. um, You know, people ask me if there's a number in mind or if I want to expand to cities, and my answer has always been, as long as we're still providing value, then we're doing our job. You know, we're doing something right. If that grows past four parks, if that extends to other cities that's something we're interested in and we will absolutely do it but as long as we're always providing value and not you know my concern now is making sure that we can support what we have already built. We because maintenance and ongoing maintenance is a big consideration and making sure that the parks stay beautiful and activated so that they continue to actually be an asset to the community is very important. So mm. we're not just coming in and developing and saying, see you later. We want to make sure that we're following through on our mission to really provide value in that community.
0: You know, the, the talent that I think designers often have is to see something that's not there, right? And that that becomes like a talent that maybe for designers who have been thinking this way for a long time is just second nature to so much of the world. You know, it's hard. It's hard to even go there, right? And so it's really great that you've kind of put that to work very literally. I mean, just instantly in these spaces. You know, I'm sure there's things like this out there, right? But um, has it been kind of branded in a way that you've created branding and awareness? And that stuff matters. Uh, you don't want to be the tree that falls in the forest nobody hears.
1: Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. You know, this isn't a new concept. We're not the first to do it. You know, there's a lot of other nonprofits doing great work, especially when it comes to vacancy and, and community matters. But I do think that there's something to be said about how we are coming in and, you know, creating this this brand or this image that people can then recognize and, you know, start to see repeated time and time again. Um, and then it becomes sort of, you know, this excitement and expectation, and, you know, people really gravitate, I think, towards it. And, you know, with the experience economy and everyone posting photos on Instagram, you know, we really want to to leverage that, not, not to just be you know, another selfie wall, but being a selfie wall actually does a lot more than what people think because it's activating the space. People are constantly coming and going, and more people activating a space means the safer that street is because there's more people on it. Mm. It could also mean that there's more people patronizing local businesses on that street, and it kind of creates a more desirable look and feel that then really changes that entire block to make that a more desirable place to live or work or visit. So there's a lot of these subtle little things we can do. And, you know, we we think about like guerrilla urbanism or tactile ur- urbanism where they're low cost, big impact, and it really provides so much more value than just a selfie wall, <laughs> you know? Yeah, so. I see it. I can
0: feel the passion behind what you're saying. And I can imagine that happening. Um, so that that is really cool. I mean, are you, are you born and raised in St. Louis?
1: So I always say yes to this question, but really (laughs) the answer is just outside in Columbia, Illinois, but I've been in St. Louis my entire adult life. So,
0: all right, Mm -hmm. we'll count it. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, what is it about St. Louis? Like, what do you love about St. Louis?
1: I mean, for one, it's home. And back to what you're saying about being a designer and being an optimist, I see so much potential, and I see things that other people might not see. You know, um, St. Louis sometimes gets a bad reputation for various things that happen here. But we never really see the other side of that highlighted. And I'm really proud of all the people at STL Made for making that initiative to sort of even change internal perspective of the city because we really have a great city and there's so many great things here to do, to see. We have an amazing park. We have an amazing zoo and museums. And I want to sort of dissect these really cool elements and put them in the hearts of neighborhoods and bring those really attractive, cool, desirable pieces to something that's right outside your door.
0: Hey, I wanted to take a brief pause in this episode to share something that we're celebrating at the Neocon Trade Show in Chicago this week. So what's the good news, you ask? The International Interior Design Association successfully launched Design Your World. It's a pipeline program that gives teenage students a hands-on look at a career in design. Hey, it's been no secret that the profession of interior design is not one of great diversity. and The big reason for that is simple. It's the lack of exposure. Design Your World is aimed at those communities that are underrepresented by and underexposed to the world of interior design. If the industry can stay committed and rally around this program, it has the potential to elevate the entire profession. So, here's a toast to the launch of Design Your World and a better tomorrow. If you'd like to know more about DYW, have a look at the show notes. We've dropped a link in there for you. Now, back to the episode.
1: One of my favorite quotes, the mayor of Medellin, he said, public space is the space of equality. And something in that quote just clicked for me. And I think that everyone deserves good public space, well-designed spaces, inclusive spaces, accessible spaces. And there's things that we can do in the built environment that really offer opportunities for playful learning or engagement or building social capital and the more that we can do things like that the more that we can build up neighborhoods more organically versus kind of you know bulldozing things over and starting over you know we can start to really create community and inclusivity around what we're doing which is why we do so much community engagement we want people to Really feel like they have a say in what we're developing for their community, and we want them to embrace it. If we're not providing value with what people need, then we're really not doing any service. So um,
0: you're just checking a box or something,
1: right? Exactly. So I think it's a a public space is a way that we can start at the ground level, literally, (laughs) and uh, you know start building more equality and and creating um, opportunities for communities to build up organically and then start to, you know, move forward as we're seeing the rest of the world is.
0: Yeah, I love, I think you might have come up with the title, Public Space <laughs> is the Space of Equality. Isn't that a great quote? It's a great quote. Um, I want to talk about advice. Uh, I want to ask you about advice that you have for others, but I want to start With advice that you have for yourself so let's say you go back you meet your 16 year old self (laughs) it could be life advice it could be career advice it could be anything what would you tell that person Hmm. that young woman who just got her driver's license (laughs) uh go slower (laughs) go slower (laughs) definitely
1: a speed demon when i got my license (laughs) um Ooh, probably some of the same stuff I'd say now. Don't overwork yourself. Don't beat yourself up when things Hmm. might not go as you saw them or as you intended them to go. And I think that being flexible and, and keeping in mind that you're constantly learning. There's a lot of pressure, I think, to kind of have it all figured out especially when you're starting a business and people are looking to you to provide that service and solve all the problems. And what I've found is that transparency and honesty and just saying, you know, I'm not this expert, but I'm willing to make that happen, is something that's really powerful. And, and it, it provides this way of, of trust and Kind of allows people to come in and and do this together versus it's all on you. Mm. Um, I would also say do what you do best and rely on other people for help on things that they do best. So, you know, we've got a great team of people and there's no way that I could have done any of this without any of them. So, strong shout out to the team because what they've been able to accomplish is amazing.
0: Did you ever face any challenges as a young female entrepreneur?
1: Yes. And mostly, that's hard to talk about. It's it's very, it's a misogynistic tale. You know, it's, it's a little sexist. Um, it's people maybe not taking you so seriously. And I feel like this part maybe should be off the record, but, like, it's more because it's still uncomfortable, but it's more like in the last five years, this has been very visible to me and very obvious and just, you know, it's not everywhere, but I was surprised because it was something, as someone who's an optimist, who believes in good-hearted people and gives everyone an opportunity to, for trust. And, and there's some people who will trust you automatically, and there's other people who you have to build trust with. And the people that trust you automatically, they're going to give you the benefit of the doubt. The people who you have to build trust with, they've got a wall there that you have to kind of knock down that boundary. <laughs>
0: mm.
1: And after you continue to do good work, you might get through to them. But that's what we're more mostly dealing with now, and I totally understand it. You know, I'm I'm here to to help navigate that and try to build trust. I'm not here to disappoint anyone or to build something and then go away. You know, um, so it's been a different type of challenge, but there are still some obstacles when it comes to you know getting people to to maybe buy in or um, build that trust and and want to work with you so
0: when I saw you reflecting on yourself and you're like you know you I can tell you put a lot of pressure on yourself to have it all have it all together right what you were describing and it was like hey it's okay to lean on other people for help it's okay to not have you know you know not have it all figured out right and and clearly, you've done a great job of navigating your career and That's and the your fun passions. Part. It is the fun <laughs> part. I totally agree. But I, I did, I, I don't know. There was a little hesitancy, and I just felt like there's an obstacle there. Yeah. That maybe you just hadn't talked about yet.
1: Yeah. Um, well, I will go back to what you just said about not having it all figured out, and I think that I really do think that is the fun part because you get to create. A solution mm. and I, I feel like I definitely thrive in that arena where the, you know you're thrown into something you're not really sure but now you get to really research and create and identify things and maybe ways that people haven't before because it hasn't been thought of to do anything differently but within that space you do get people who will try to undermine you or tell you, you don't know what you're doing or, you know, just not trust that you have the ability to figure that out. And I think it's really important in that, in when that happens to believe in yourself, know who you are, reflect on the things that you have accomplished Or even the the failures, because you've learned something there too. And try to ask more questions to those people who are conflicted about what you can do. And Mm. understand what their fear is. And if you can kind of navigate that in a conversation with that person who might be feeling a little hesitant, then there's something that's good that can come out of that. And maybe there's a common ground or there's a way of collaboration. Um, You know, it's, it's always, anytime I feel like there's a conflict, the best thing to do is to ask questions and try to get to that underlying issue. Because there's always something that there's a pin in that you're not saying that you can't get that thorn out, (laughs) you Mm -hmm, know? mm -hmm. Um, So I always bear on the side of asking questions to find out, well, what is the feeling here that you're having that is causing you to say that? Or why would you think that about me? Or, you know, questioning your abilities. You know, I feel like asking questions to better understand and if the answer is you're inexperienced, and you can say, "Well, I might be inexperienced in this, but I have done X, Y, Z, and I know that I can do A, B, C, and I'm willing to go there, even with you, to try to try to figure that out." You know, um, so it's it's always kind of a a give and take, and trying to. To manage people really, um, and and manage their emotions because it's stemming mm. from something, and and being able to really talk to people and and get through to them and build that trust. So
0: yeah, that's a, that's a that's really good advice, and that's actually harder than it sounds, probably just because um, probably the easy thing to do is to not go there. But, yeah, you can't but,
1: really text that stuff out either. No, <laughs> you, you have can't. to be face to face.
0: You can't text it out. <laughs> That's funny. Um, uh, well, what's the best advice you've ever received? What's the best piece of advice or line of advice you were you were given? And who gave it to you? Or where did you read it or see it? Any of that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this goes along with what you just said actually, though. Um hmm. So I have a friend, his name's Jason Wells, and he was a former professional basketball player. He played overseas. And he is on to his second career as well. And so we have a lot of deep conversations. He's a motivator, a speaker, an educator, a coach, and really trying to kind of have a lot of conversations around identity and and things like that. And one of our conversations, we, we talked about telling your story. And he said, your story, told through your narrative, may be the only way someone needs to hear it for that person in that way.
0: That's pretty strong.
1: Yeah. It's, wow. It's really kind of cool to think about because I think everyone is hesitant on sharing personal things, which is very natural. And even if they think someone else is going through that, you kind of still keep a lot of things to yourself. And then they think, well, if I tell it, it's not really going to reach people or the it's not really going to reach people in the way that I think it should or maybe it won't reach people at all. Or if it's just one person, if it's just one person that needs to hear that, that's an amazing story. That's power right there. Like that right. is so powerful to be able to say that even if just one person hears it and resonates with it, sharing the story was worth it. Right. So that was a really good one. The other one that we talked about, cause we were talking about biases, being a white woman was like, oh, I'm, you know, where are my biases? I need to reflect on this. I need to make sure I'm, you know, not offending people or, or you know, because of the way I grew up or what my experience is. Like what, you know, we were talking about biases and he goes, Sam, Sam, you, you can calm down. <laughs> like a bias is just a way of making a decision you like apples or bananas like you have a bias towards that like it's not bad but if you're hurting someone else then your bias is bad Hmm. so that was another one that I thought was really impactful and and sort of changed the way I started thinking about things as okay well you know you're going to be shortening the way you make decisions because it's just more efficient right but when you're consistently making decisions that hurt other people that is damaging and and just being aware of that i think is is powerful and having those communications are powerful so those were two quotes that I'll share from Jason Wells.
0: (laughs) I love those quotes and you know, this, the bias, it was interesting. I learned a little bit about the brain recently and why we have habits. I mean, the brain is this consumer of energy. We consume 25% of our energy, right? Um, and okay. That's a lot. So it's always seeking ways to be more efficient. Okay, so then it creates habits. Habits take the thinking out of things. Efficiency is created. And it's like, wow, efficiency can be very damaging if it's done through a lens of bias, right? Because bias is kind of has a next-door neighbor, is a next-door neighbor to habits, let's just say, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Where you're, you are shortcutting, yes. maybe your thought process. And over time, those shortcuts can create, you know, yeah. pretty large gap or can create pain. Like you said, mm-hmm. it could, could hurt others. And it's it's, inter- it's interesting to kind of wonder about bias in that perspective.
1: Yeah. And when you think about patterns in decision making and the way the brain works and tries to be more efficient, you're kind of you think about uh, a dog that walks around the edge of a fence and over time that grass deteriorates and then you've got this kind of rut, right? Mm. Well, the deeper that rut gets because of your continued pattern of behavior, the harder it is to get out of it. Wow. So then it becomes, you know, very difficult to change behavior and people struggle with that, especially when they've been walking in that same rut their entire life and then all of a sudden an epiphany happens, well, even if you kind of stray away from the rut at first, you might find yourself back in it because that's just what you've been doing your entire life. So it's interesting and it kind of goes along with what you just said, like it's same thing with algorithms, you know, (laughs) like they're the most efficient thing, but are they really providing us with the most positivity these days? I'll we'll cough while you're doing that. <laughs> and I should
0: have, I should have brought some waters. Oh no worries,
1: we can probably grab some out there. You know, fancy co-working space. <laughs> I know,
0: I don't get amenities at home. Right. Actually, I bought myself a Brita. There we go. So I have like <laughs> access to clean water in my basement. You know. See,
1: I like the f- the fizzy waters now. But... Oh my
0: gosh, I drink like. I it's, it's bad. same I, i'm I have like to... waiting for that news article to come out that says <laughs> that they kill you or something and i'm gonna be like
1: oh no they're such a treat and so i have to be careful because i'll just drink all of like i'll drink like four in a day and i'm like you have to wait till the end of the day reward yourself <laughs> okay so
0: i have a philosophy okay on the fizzy drinks and why they're so popular it's because people want to feel something you know what i mean like yes water just doesn't it 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 only activates you know yeah just the the quenching of thirst whereas the fizzies i don't know it's like a
1: it's like a fun experience it's an experience (laughs) right
0: and i i think that's the that's the reason why they're popular that's my that's my philosophy I
1: i like that i agree um I feel like, yeah, it's just a little bit more than water, but it's enough to where you still feel like it's water. So you're like, okay, I'm doing good. But it's not like a soda, you know? <laughs> right.
0: You're doing good by your body. The
1: healthy version of that soda experience, that carbonated <laughs> experience. Yes.
0: Like have fun <laughs> drinking water. Mm-hmm. You know, and I do. I think we, you know, we stare at our screens all day. You know, we exercise none of our senses. And so just to have that bubbly in your mouth yep. is like this just... Like, okay you wonder like what else is like that you know like how do we add more carbonation to things <laughs> you know like not in the literal sense right but in the figural sense. and it's, you almost wonder like pocket parks in a way is like you know yeah. adding a little carbonation it is to do the landscape
1: you know we say um what do we say we say we're weaving vibrancy into the urban fabric
0: you're like a bubbly or a Lacroix, <laughs> whatever you prefer i love it
1: i'll take that <laughs>
0: If you enjoyed today's episode, we would really appreciate a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. To discover more design stories, visit us at OFS.com/slash Imagine a Place. From OFS, I'm Doug Shapiro, and you've been listening to Imagine a Place.